0: Number one, you're not tight. You might feel tight. Okay. So your brain is lying to you. You're not tight though. You might feel tight, but you are physically not tight. We can show you every objective test in the world. If you're able to touch your thumb to your forearm, you're you're not tight there. If you're able to touch your palms down to the floor while keeping your knees straight, your hamstrings are not tight. Yeah, straight A student, but I'm friends with a cool kid. Following the rules and the rubric. Welcome to the GT Performance Podcast, where we have a conversation dedicated to athlete development so you can help your athlete get faster, stronger, healthier, and prepared for real-world success. My name is Dr. Zach Geiser, and I am a sports performance coach, physical therapist, girl dad, and nerd about all things athletics. Today, we're going to have a conversation dedicated to the super loosey-goosey, Gumby-like people out there. We're going to talk about hypermobility. Specifically, we're gonna talk about three things that I think all hypermobile people should know. Now, this is one of the more difficult conversations that I have to have. I don't wanna say it's difficult because it's a um, a really troublesome topic. It's both a blessing and a curse. There's a lot of really good things that come from being hypermobile, but it's uh, contradictory or counterintuitive to what general population, the society thinks. And so we think of uh, flexibility and mobility as being this never ending good thing. It's something that we always want to chase more of. It's something that you can never have enough of. And that's just not true. There is a happy medium that we want to be at when it comes to hyper or to comes to mobility. You don't want to be too far on either end of the spectrum now being on either end of the spectrum just genetically can uh predispose you to some some degree of success and so some super tight people have some advantages some super loose people have some advantages Uh, but in general uh, the world thinks that we always need more mobility we always need more flexibility everybody talks about how they're too tight how they need to stretch more and that's really just not the case especially for hypermobile folks and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about today but before we can go into that we need to talk about what hypermobility really even is so if you break down the term hypermobility hyper refers to excessive or more than average mobility refers to flexibility mobility Basically, how much can your joints and muscles move? So hypermobility refers to having more than average mobility or flexibility. This can be local to one specific joint, so a pitcher can have a ton of shoulder external rotation, getting some insane layback. That can be super helpful for them to do their job, Uh, but if you look at the rest of their body, maybe they don't have that same amount of excessive movement elsewhere. We would refer to that as local hypermobility and is most usually just a training adaptation, so the stressors they put on it throughout their baseball career have um, allowed them to generate more external rotation than the average human being would that is a local specific adaptation. But we're gonna talk more about global or generalized hypermobility today. So that is the athlete that can go full Mrs. Incredible and just go crazy stretched um, and has a a super loose uh, joint structure everywhere. They have a ton of mobility everywhere. We can measure general hypermobility with a Bighton score uh, or a Bighton scale, some people call it different things. So uh, a Bighton score, is a series of tests where we look at different joints and we see how much range of motion they have. You don't actually have to pull out the goniometer and measure these, uh, but they're a a way to see how much movement they have at these different joints. So the first one is bending the thumb down to touch the forearm. So I'm going to demonstrate that very poorly. If you can see the video here, Um, I'm not hypermobile and so I do not pass any of these tests. Or I do not have positives for any of these tests, I should say. Um, So you do that on the right and left side. You get a point for each side that you're able to do it on. So one point for right, one point for left. Then you have bending the pinky back past 90 degrees. Again, one point for the right, one point for the left. Hyperextension of the elbow beyond 10 degrees. So that would be taking your elbow to straight and then being able to go 10 degrees further than that. One point for the right, one point for the left arm. Same thing at the knees. If you're able to um, have your knees go beyond 10 degrees of straightness, so 10 degrees of hyperextension, one point for the right and one point for the left. The last test is keeping your legs straight and then touching your palms to the floor. So bending over and touching your palms to the floor. You get one point for that. So the highest score you could get is nine, and scoring at least a four out of nine is considered positive for ligament laxity. Most people who have generalized hypermobility, um, if they're going to score f- at least four, they're probably going to score higher than four. Um, if you've got a few of these, more like most likely you're going to have more than a few of them. All right, so we know that. Joint hypermobility, global hypermobility refers to people who are basically contortionists. They're able to get in all these crazy positions. But why does that happen? Why are some people like that and some people aren't like that? And there's a large genetic component to it. You can't have people who train their way into it. Think about gymnasts whenever they're younger. Um, but for the most part, there's a largely genetic component to this. And I can usually point to mom or dad when I'm doing an evaluation on an athlete. Um, If I find somebody's positive on their biting, I can point to mom or dad and ask them to do it. And one of the two is almost always able to do it right in the room. Um, And it was passed down from them to their kids. They'll pass it on to their kids. The actual genetic change, uh, the difference in genetics there, refers or comes from a difference in collagen structure. So, collagen is a protein that is the primary building block of ligaments, tendons, and just about every other connective—actually, well, not just about every other connective tissue structure in the body. So, think about blood vessels, things like that. Uh, collagen is the main structure, the main building block that makes up all of those connective tissue structures. In hypermobile people, the collagen structure is altered and it's much weaker than in non-hypermobile people. So you have weaker collagen protein fibers. These weaker collagen structures lead to weaker or looser ligaments. So a ligament's job is to anchor a joint together and prevent joints from dislocating. The weaker ligaments caused by weaker collagen doesn't do as good of a job of keeping those joints locked into place. This allows for them to get into all of these crazy positions. This also leads to some other issues or some other things that we need to be aware of. So weaker collagen structures also have impacts elsewhere in the body. Like we talked about, like we talked about, Collagen also makes up blood vessels. So if you have weaker blood vessels, they're gonna be more pliable and less efficient at pumping blood through the body. Uh, And that's why hypermobile people typically have very cold hands and lower blood pressure. So uh, this isn't just a uh, musculoskeletal flexibility thing. If you're hypermobile, you're probably gonna have a series of other things that are predictable based off of having weaker collagen. Some of those things include having underlying gut issues. Most people who are hypermobile have some sort of GI symptom, and that's because they're not going to have as efficient of peristalsic movements. And this is outside of my scope, and I don't want to misspeak here. Uh, But yeah, the collagen structure plays a role there as well. Then you have, um, they're also gonna be significantly more predisposed to anxiety problems. So research suggests that hypermobile individuals are up to 16 times more likely to have anxiety-related disorders. Uh, There's a number of thoughts as to why that might be the case, and if anybody's interested in having a deeper conversation about that, I'm more than happy to do that, but it is not the main point of the podcast today. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. The three things I think every hypermobile person should know. Number one, your brain is lying to you. Number two, you're more at risk for both little pains and catastrophic injuries. Number three, smart, consistent training might be more important for you than for the non hypermobile person. Let's dive a, di- a bit deeper. Number one, you're not tight. You might feel tight. so your brain is lying to you. You're not tight, though. You might feel tight, but you are physically not tight. We can show you every objective test in the world. If you're able to touch your thumb to your forearm, you're you're not tight there. If you're able to touch your palms down to the floor while keeping your knees straight, your hamstrings are not tight. Objectively, physically, you have not or you do not have any tightness. You might feel tight, though. That's because your brain is lying to you. So hypermobile people have reduced or impaired proprioception function. So proprioception is this skill where, or this neurological phenomenon, where if uh, you close your eyes and someone moves your joints around, you're able to sense where your joint is at in space because of proprioception. So it tells your brain where your body is at in space. Research has suggested that this proprioceptive feedback is impaired in people who are hypermobile. Our brain wants to constantly know what's going on with our body. That's just a survival mechanism. It helps us make the best decisions possible to navigate our environment. Hypermobile athletes have reduced proprioception, which means they have reduced feedback, which means the brain isn't getting the feedback that it would like. So it constantly tells them to stretch, go to end range so they can get some sort of neural feedback so the brain can stay in the loop about exactly what's going on. Another reason for this phenomenon of feeling tight when you're not actually tight comes from fatigue and reduced strength. So hypermobile athletes are really pulling double time when it comes to their muscular activity so the muscles have to make up for the lack of ligament stiffness the muscles have to pull double duty they have to work twice as hard because the ligaments aren't doing their job of keeping the joint in place so the muscles have to do that job they're always on this can lead to those muscles being tired Um, It can lead to those muscles being very weak and tired, weak muscles often feel like they're tight. So tired and weak muscles are perceived as being tight, which leads to you feeling like you're tight, even though clearly, objectively, you're not tight. And another reason why this phenomenon can occur is due to quote unquote trigger points. So in order to increase stiffness and give some degree of control, it makes some logical sense for the muscles to lay down some trigger points uh, in order to make up for some of that ligament laxity. And so it increases stiffness, uh, but it also makes you feel tight. makes you feel uncomfortable uh, by laying down those trigger points. But the important part here is you're not actually tight. So if you feel like you're tight, the typical human reaction is to go and stretch it out. But you've already won that game. You don't need to chase more flexibility. You don't want to go and stretch into end range on a regular basis because you've already maxed that out. You've got as much mobility as you could possibly want. So what you wanna do instead is choose interventions that actually attack the root cause. So if your proprioception is reduced, we need to make sure we include proprioceptive activities to improve that proprioception, which is going to lead to some better neurological feedback, which is going to lead to some reduced feelings of tightness. Same thing goes for fatigued, weak muscles. If we feel like we're tight all the time, then we need to make sure we improve the strength of those muscles to allow them to more efficiently pull double duty and do the job of the ligar. It really is a crazy paradox where people who are hypermobile feel tight way more often than people who are actually tight so it's an unfortunate paradox but we need to be cognizant cognizant of it to make sure that we make better decisions about the interventions that we choose so we don't just start stretching willy-nilly because we feel tight we need to make sure we improve muscular activity we improve muscular control we improve proprioceptive feedback so that way we actually reduce those feelings of tightness with interventions that make a difference in the actual root cause problem Number two, you're more at risk for both little pains and catastrophic injuries. Now, this one is definitely not the best news, but I do think that you need to hear it because it's a pattern that I see over and over and over again. So being hypermobile is both your superpower and your kryptonite. So if you're hypermobile, you're able to do things that other human beings can't even dream of. You can, you can get into positions that other human beings cannot even fathom. So that allows you to do things like throw some actual heat whenever you get a ton of extra rotation, a ton of layback. It allows you to maybe recover from some positions that people would be absolutely destroyed by. But it also leads to some other issues. Like we talked about above, we talked about the blood flow issues, we talked about the anxiety issues. We've already gone over that. But there's also some more musculoskeletal based stuff that can be pretty problematic. So we'll talk about the little pains first. So. People who are hypermobile have a more sensitive nervous system when it comes to pain perception. Whenever the same stimulus is produced, people who are hypermobile are going to experience a higher amount of pain than people who aren't hypermobile on average. Now, obviously, there's individual differences here. This isn't to say those hypermobile people aren't tight. In fact, it's quite the opposite. People who are hypermobile are often quite tough. They have to deal with more than non-hypermobile people deal with. So, they're just going to feel more pain on a regular basis. And so they're gonna have those little bumps and bruises, these little aches and pains on a very regular basis. It's gonna feel like this chronic pain type stuff. So we have to be aware of that and we have to manage that. It's very common to have uh, people who are hypermobile walk into my my facility and say, hey, my knees are bothering me today. My ankles are bothering me today. I don't quite understand why that's happening. These things pop up on a regular basis. So we need to be smart, strategic and manage them appropriately. The catastrophic injuries are also something we need to be aware of. So people who are hypermobile don't do as good of a job as keeping their joints in place as they should. That can lead to microtrauma. So it can lead to things like um, OCD lesions. It can lead to things like labral tears. It can lead to things that when that joint comes out of place a little bit over and over and over again, it chips away at structures it's not supposed to be chipping away at. So it can lead to more catastrophic injuries through that, and it can also lead to more catastrophic injuries like ACL tears, where they're just able, they are just get into these insane positions, that ligament isn't able to handle it, it's a weaker ligament, and so they're gonna be more likely to have catastrophic injuries uh, like ACL tears and things of that nature. So this is something that you need to find a qualified professional to help you manage through. You need to know when you need to push through things because the best way to prevent those catastrophic injuries is to have a really high quality training program in place. It's a, it, You need to have strength training on a regular basis That targets all of the right areas, targets all of the right movement patterns, but you also need to do it in a way that's not gonna make those nagging little pains worse and worse and worse every single time you walk in the facility. So it's a balancing act, it's a a decision you need to make about when you need to push through things and when you need to pull back a little bit. What things are worth going a little further with and what things aren't worth going a little further with. And there's no right answer. It's much more art than it is science most of the time. Um, And each individual is going to be a little bit different, but you need to make sure that you find that balancing act and you find somebody who's experienced in dealing with that to help you do that. Okay. So that brings us nicely into our point number three, being that smart, consistent training might be more important for you than for the non-hypermobile person. Okay, So we talked several times about the fact that your ligaments just aren't doing their job the way a non-hypermobile person's ligaments do their job. So you need the muscular support to make up for what the ligaments are not giving. You need to be strong. So that strength can do wonders in helping keep those joints in place whenever the ligaments aren't doing their job but it has to be given regularly. You need regular inputs to stay strong. You have a higher likelihood of having those catastrophic injuries, and so we need to make sure that you have the physical tools to prevent that to the best of your abilities. Now, strength training is one mechanism that has a very high ROI, very high bang for its buck. And so if you're able to stay strong on a regular basis, if you get those frequent inputs and you give those muscles the, the reason to adapt the stimulus that they need to stay strong, get stronger, you're gonna have a higher likelihood of staying healthier and avoiding those catastrophic injuries and avoiding those aches and pains than you would if you didn't do that. It's not fair, it's not necessarily something that I think you might be happy to hear, but you have been given a gift. You've been given this ability to get into positions that other people could not dream of. It allows you to do some really special things, but that comes with responsibility. It comes with a burden. You have to make sure that you manage it appropriately. You have to make sure that you're giving it the inputs, you're giving your body the inputs to manage your unique build, your unique skill set, in a way that's most appropriate. You have access to an unbelievably wide menu of movement options. You need to make sure that you have control over that unbelievably wide menu of movement options. We need to give you Regular proprioceptive feedback, so things like rhythmic stabilization is going to be really important. You need regular strength training, as I've mentioned a million times already. It's going to be massively important for you to make sure that you stay strong, you keep all the right areas strong, so that way they can do the job that the ligaments aren't necessarily doing. And Importantly, you need to make sure you don't seek to add more mobility. Remember, you've already won that game. There's no point in adding more. It's going to do more damage than it's gonna do good if you continue to seek to add more mobility. We need to lay down some degree of protective tightness, some degree of relative stiffness. We need to give you control over the positions you already have, not give you more positions. We can think of this like picking a scab, and this is an analogy I believe I stole from Eric Cressy. The, The role of a scab is to cover up a wound. It's protective tissue that's being laid down to heal a wound. We can think about the protective tightness that we're trying to lay down, the control over those positions, as the wound, that, the scab that we're trying to lay down. If you just go and pick that scab, we're starting back over from square one. It's gonna start bleeding again, and then you're gonna have to relay that scab down. If you stretch on a regular basis, all of those protective tightness mechanisms that we're giving you, are not going to be able to hold up and we're just going to have to kind of revamp the process. This isn't saying I don't want you to warm up. I want to just dis- make the distinguish I want to I want to distinguish between a warm-up and stretching here. So stretching would be more thinking along the lines of static stretching where you go down, hold a position, um, touch your toes, stay down there for a little bit. That's more static stretching versus a dynamic warm-up where you get blood flow. So doing some straight leg kicks, doing some lunge with rotations, where you're going into positions, quickly getting out of them um, and warming up your muscles, getting blood flow to the areas that you're gonna use that day. You definitely wanna do a dynamic warm-up. Don't misconstrue my words here, but I don't want you to go uh, and static stretch the heck out of yourself because that's going to uh, pick the scab repeatedly. All right, to recap, hypermobile folks, you have been given both a gift and a burden. You are able to access positions that other people cannot fathom of getting into, but that comes with some degree of responsibility of making sure you manage your uniquities appropriately. Number one, your brain is lying to you. You're not tight. You're going to feel tight. You're going to feel tight more often than somebody who actually is tight is going to feel, okay? But your brain's lying to you. Make sure you're cognizant of that. Don't chase more flexibility, you've already won that game. Number two, you're more at risk for both little pains and catastrophic injuries. It's an unfair burden, but you're going to feel more pain on a regular basis, you're going to feel more intense pain whenever the same relative stimulus is applied, and you're gonna be more at risk for catastrophic injuries. That's not a death sentence. That's not saying that you have to live with this crazy amount of pain for the rest of your life or anything along those lines. Don't misconstrue my words, but it just it's just saying you need to be smart and strategic about the way that you manage your body. Take control of it. Find a professional to help you guide yourself through this process. Number three, smart, consistent training might be more important for you than the non-hypermobile person. You need the physical qualities that training can give you, maybe a bit more than the non-hypermobile person and you need it on a regular basis, okay? You need consistent inputs to make sure we give you the tools you need to succeed. Alright, that's it for today's conversation. If you feel like you got some value out of today's podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any questions or if there's anything I can help you out with, don't hesitate to shoot me at Zach at gtperformance.co. But until next time, be greater, than. Straight A student, but I'm friends with a cool kid. Following the rules in the rubric, freestyle on the